Hey guys, first of all, Nick and I just want to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Um, this podcast, Kriags Over Coffee, has definitely gone beyond anything that we could have possibly imagined it to be when we started it uh, in September of 2018. Yeah, to date, you guys have given us a listen over 600,000 times. We have over 100 episodes, including the special content that we've released. Um, it's really been a wild, wild ride. As you know, Nick and I are graduating residency this year, and in fact, as we're recording this, we're sitting in my very empty apartment on the ground <laughs> in order to get this done. Um, and we will be moving to different cities. I'll be in Philadelphia, and Nick will be in Seattle. Now, this isn't a goodbye. It's just a modification of the plan. Um, so going forward, you guys are going to hear us just a little bit less frequently. Faye and I will be putting out episodes every other Sunday, so keep listening, keep looking for us. We're going to keep bringing you great content at Creogs Over Coffee. And who knows, if we find that we're able to make content much more frequently, we may go back to our weekly schedule. Faye, in this era of rapidly changing practice with respect to COVID, I am so happy that I have a continued subscription to the OBG project. Definitely. I have really appreciated my OBG First subscription as well because I get a lot of my information actually from my phone. And so when they email me and I'm able to rapidly click on those articles and read them before they go away, that really allows me to continue to stay up to date on everything that's going on. And it's even beyond just COVID, right? They send us summaries of the latest latest and greatest and randomized trials for obstetrics, gynecology, and primary care, as well as other interesting articles that, hey, that just may be relevant to my practice or just something fun to know. So if you're a fourth-year resident like Nick and I, you can get one year of subscription to OBG First absolutely free. And we have actually gone beyond our first year, and I've continued to subscribe to uh, the OBG Project and OBG First just because I think that it is so helpful for my current practice and for my learning. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs, Creogs over, over Coffee. Coffee. Today's episode is going to be a short and sweet one, but we'll talk about perinatal depression. Faye, what are our learning objectives? So we're going to understand why depression is an important topic of discussion in OBGYN and also in postpartum care. Um, we're going to talk about how to screen women for perinatal depression and identify women who are at risk for depression. And also we'll start to talk a little bit about the management of perinatal depression. If you'd like to follow along, we recommend Committee Opinion 757, Screening for Perinatal Depression. So first of all, Nick, what is depression? Yeah, so if you hearken back to medical school and when you were on your psychiatry rotation at one point, there are like a hundred different types of depression, right? Like there's major depressive disorder, persistent depressive disorder, seasonal affective disorder, perinatal depression or postpartum depression, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Again, somewhere in that big book, the DSM-5, there is a heck of a lot of depressive disorders. And I always found it really confusing to remember. But fortunately, once we're in obstetrics, we can really distill down to perinatal depression is something that's really important for us to focus on. According to the DSM-5, a major depressive episode is diagnosed when one has a combination of these things. Five or more symptoms that have been present for a two-week period and represent a change from previous functioning, and at least one of the symptoms needs to be depressed mood or a loss of interest or pleasure. 
The others can include significant weight loss when not dieting or having a weight gain or an increase or decrease in appetite nearly every day, insomnia or hypersomnia, significant psychomotor agitation or retardation, fatigue or loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt, decreased ability to think or concentrate, or recurrent thoughts of death or suicidal ideation. These symptoms need to cause significant distress and cannot be explained by another type of diagnosis or medication or drug use or anything else. Faye, now that we've kind of talked about the sort of baseline for what a depressive disorder entails, what exactly is perinatal depression? So perinatal depression is a major or minor depressive episode or episodes that occur during pregnancy or in the first 12 months after delivery. So everything that you said, but around that perinatal time. And the reason we care is that depression is twice as common in women as in men. So we as OBGYNs who take care of women need to be acutely aware of this in our patients. And perinatal depression is one of the most common medical complications during pregnancy and the postpartum period affecting up to one in seven women. We also know that depression and other mood disorders can have devastating effects on women and their families. Um, maternal suicide actually exceeds hemorrhage and hypertensive disorders as a cause of maternal mortality. So certainly something that we need to be talking about and also something that need to be aware of. So Nick, how do we screen for perinatal depression? Yeah, so the bottom line is that we all should be screening for perinatal depression. ACOG recommends that obstetric providers screen patients at least once during the perinatal period for depression and anxiety symptoms as well using a standardized tool. They also recommend doing it again in the postpartum period during a comprehensive postpartum visit. Why does ACOG recommend this? Evidence suggests actually that screening alone can have clinical benefits even if you're not capturing everybody, just the fact that you're open and talking about it can help people cope with major or minor depressive episodes. At our institution, we use the Edinburgh Postpartum Depression Screen, which is a 10-item survey that takes less than five minutes to complete typically. The sensitivity of the Edinburgh scale is somewhere between 59 to 100% and the specificity 49 to 100%. And one major advantage is that it is translated and validated in Spanish as well. Other things that we use include the more standard depressive scale, the PHQ-2 or PHQ-9, which are the patient health questionnaires. Um, and other items can include things like a postpartum depression screening scale um, that has a little more sensitivity to it, studied between 91 to 94%, a little bit more specific as well, 72 to 98%. But this postpartum depression screening scale, on the other hand, is a 35-item survey. So again, we sort of favor the shorter, sweeter version of it, hoping that that helps our patients to talk a little bit more. Faye, kind of going from there, though, we have screening tools, and we can identify folks who may be at risk for perinatal depression. What do we do if we find it? Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be a very abbreviated portion of our episode because we certainly don't want to condense you know, the treatment of perinatal or postpartum depression mm -hmm. into a 15 minute episode. And certainly we have wonderful psychiatry and psychology colleagues who are much more well-versed in this than we are. Absolutely. Um, but basically women who have current depression or anxiety or a history of perinatal dis mood disorder need to have close monitoring evaluation as and assessment because we know that these people are at higher risk uh, for things like having postpartum depression or having recurrent postpartum depression and having poorer outcomes than their counterparts. 
while some OBGYNs are comfortable starting antidepressant medications and following their patients, some are not. And so certainly we would recommend referral to social work and behavioral health, possibly for psychotherapy, which alone is a reasonable alternative to antidepressants um, if needed. Certainly if some patients are very wary about starting medications in the you know antepartum stage or when they're postpartum and breastfeeding, certainly you can talk to them about the safety profiles of a lot of antidepressant medication. But if patients are still not willing to have that exposure, um, just psychotherapy alone is a very reasonable alternative. We won't talk about antidepressant therapy at this time because, again, that's probably a whole other episode on its own. And certainly we may need to invite a psychiatrist onto our, into our show in order to talk about that in a reasonable manner. Um, the last thing that I will say, though, is that for those with severe postpartum depression, another possibility is a new medication called Brexanolone, which we actually just started um, in our hospital. There is very limited clinical experience and restricted availability for this medication, and especially at our hospital, needs to be started inpatient. Um, and it's usually restricted to patients who do not improve with antidepressants. And so certainly if you feel like this is a medication that your patient could use, that would definitely be a reason to refer to your psychiatry colleagues. All right, Nick, I think that brings us to the end of our perinatal depression episode. Why don't we go ahead and sum up? Sure. So we started off talking about what exactly was depression. Again, according to the DSM-5, a major depressive episode is five symptoms. Two of them need to be from these first two, either depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day, and then diminished interest or pleasure in all or most activities. From those two, you need to have an additional four, making five total, including significant weight loss or weight gain or an increase or decrease in appetite, insomnia or hypersomnia, psychomotor agitation or retardation, fatigue or loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness or inappropriate guilt, decreased ability to think or concentrate, or recurrent thoughts of death or suicidal ideation. These symptoms need to cause significant distress and are not explained by other diagnoses or medication use. We then talked about perinatal depression, which is certainly a major or minor depressive episode or episodes that occur during pregnancy in the first 12 months after delivery. Um, and the reason that we care is that there are definitely poor outcomes for patients who have postpartum or perinatal depression. And maternal suicide exceeds hemorrhage and hypertensive disorders as a major cause of maternal mortality. The way that we screen for perinatal depression, we at our clinic use the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Screen, but ACOG just recommends that obstetric care providers screen patients using a standardized and validated tool. So whether that is the PHQ-9 or the postpartum depression screening scale or anything else out there that is standardized and validated, certainly those are all reasonable things to use for your patients. Obstetric care providers do have a responsibility for the management of these patients, at the very least for continued close follow-up evaluation and assessment of their mood symptoms. Some obstetricians may be comfortable with starting antidepressant medication and following these patients further, um, but some may not be, and so using social work, behavioral health, psychiatry, and psychology colleagues um, can be helpful in order to understand the full range of possible treatments, both cognitive as well as pharmacologic that may be available. Um, and then don't forget as well to refer to a regional center potentially for treatment for severe postpartum depression with Brixanolone, which is a brand new drug. All right. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, give us a five-star rating and review. 
You can find us on social media, on Twitter at Kriogs Over Coffee One, on Facebook and Instagram at Kriogs Over Coffee. And if you want to go ahead and give some donations to the show, go ahead and go onto our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Over Coffee for some swag or a shout out on the show. We have notes for this episode as well as all of our previous episodes on our website, kriogsovercoffee.com. And if you want to let us know about any mistakes on this show or any other episode or just want to give us some ideas for future topics, email us, kriogsovercoffee at gmail.com.